Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. We'll give you an update on NCAA tournament play here in this half hour. Um, but joining us right now, a guy knows about the NCAA tournament. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, John Bryant. John Bryant. I remember playing at uh, Armstrong. He's a great player. Then he went to St. Cloud State. He's a great player there. And he said, I'm going to do it back then. There wasn't a lot of transferring going on. But he said, I'm going to take a shot. And if Wisconsin will let me walk on there, I, I'm going to go try to play there. And, of course, the odds were stacked against him. But he took the shot. You know, he had a successful career going. He still took the shot. He went up out to Wisconsin. Dick Bennett was the coach. And uh, sat out his year. And eventually got some playing time. And eventually played himself into the lineup. And eventually went on a roll uh, leading Wisconsin to the NCAA Final Four. It's one of the great stories of Minnesota basketball history that doesn't get told enough, uh, but he was the MVP of the region. Uh, he now is an assistant coach at Park Center and does other things, but it's always fun to talk basketball with him. John, first of all, congratulations. Your Park Center team won last night uh, convincingly over Osseo, huh? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it was a, a great night for for the Pirates, uh, get back to the state tournament. So we're excited about that. You know, next week's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you'll probably be number one seed, and I keep hearing the, you know, uh, um, I've seen you guys play a couple of times, but um, what everybody says is they're so hard to play against because they're so quick and they cover the floor and they, and they just make it so hard to get space and they're so hard to defend against because they can get to the basket. Uh, explain that because you got a couple of guys who can get up and go. Yeah, we, we have a team of very versatile players and a lot of six four, six five can guard multiple positions. We're able to do a lot of things defensively to make it hard for, you know, the other team to reverse the ball, to to get space. Um, we're able to pressure the ball because we have a lot of athleticism and quickness and um it's it's a really fun team because there's a lot of things that you can do with a team like this with the, the amount of talent that we have that uh and you can't do with, with your average high school team. Um, so, you know, we're able to kind of be aggressive defensively, which really creates offense for us. And when we get out and run in transition, we are at our best. Uh, we got a lot of guys that can finish. Now, I was talking to Terry Kunze, a basketball guru, uh, a couple of weeks ago. You might know him, and, and, and he watches basketball every night, all the time. And he says Carrington, one of your stars going to the University of Minnesota, he says he thinks he'll be a point guard there. Is, is that possible? It's possible. Um, you know, Braden's he's, he's another guy that, that I was talking about being so versatile. Uh, he, he can play point guard. He can play off guard, shooting guard. 
you know, I think shooting guard might be his most natural position, but uh, the last couple of years, Coach Ware has, has played him at point guard a lot. And so he's learned the position. He's, um, you know, he's a, he's a very smart player. He knows how to get other guys uh, shots, how to make other, you know, his teammates better. And then also he can get his own shot kind of whenever he wants. And um, that's kind of what you need in a point guard. He's very good in pick and roll situations. And he's very unselfish. Uh, as a team, we're very unselfish. From night to night, we'll have you know different guys in double figures. Uh, it's not always Braden being our leading scorer, although he's usually one of. But we have different guys that uh, have led us in scoring all year. So, again, uh, a great team, um, play real well together, and Braden's kind of the leader of all that. Yeah, maybe the, yeah, maybe this is the ultimate compliment, but the times that I see you guys play, uh, it, it truly looks like, uh, not knowing the egos or the personalities, but it truly looks like nobody cares if they're the leading scorer. I mean, I mean Carrington kind of inserts himself based on the need for the team that night. At least that's the way it looks. Yeah, you know, Braden does a really good job of coming out of the gates and kind of getting us going. He's um, he's always very good early in games. And then uh, others, other guys start to get us going, and um, we don't have to rely on him. But if we need scoring early... Braden's kind of our guy to, to, you know, to get us what we need. And then if we need scoring late in the game, he's probably the guy we're going to go to. Um, sure. But in the middle, you know, we've got a lot of guys. We've got, you know, Cody Pennebaker out on the wing. Yeah, he's uh, going Leo to San Torber. Jose State, huh? Leo Torber is, yeah. Leo Torber, mm-hmm. um, he's very good at finishing games. He's just so athletic and he can get to the rim. Um, and, uh, you know, Ayuba... Um, you know, James Spencer, we've, we've, we've just got a lot of guys that, that can put the ball in the basket and get out and run and finish on the other end. John, let's talk NCAA basketball tournament because you're one of those rare people that had a chance to participate in March Madness. What do you remember about the first time you took the court for an NCAA tournament game in terms of, A, you check a box like lifelong dreams. I, I, I know I've done it yet, but what was it like to walk out on, you know, because at that time they were playing them still in all the, the big stadiums. What was that like for you? Well, for me, it was kind of a surreal moment because, you know, you you dream of that growing up, and I didn't expect to end up getting there and then end up playing. Um, I took a chance when I left St. Cloud State, went to Wisconsin, ended up working out for me. Um, You know, Dick Bennett was a guy who was going to play whoever, whoever earned it. It it didn't matter if you were, you know, what you did in high school. It didn't matter if you were a scholarship guy, a walk-on. None of that mattered to him. It was putting the best player on the floor. So for me, I was, I was just kind of in awe of the, the initial moment. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of realize the gravity of the situation, you know, this time of year, it's one and done. And mm-hmm. so there's really no room for error. And uh, the, the fans know it, the teams know it, the coaches know it, everybody understands it. And there's just a different level of focus that goes into it. Well, but, but you got on a roll. You're, who did you guys beat to get to the final four that year? So just to go back, you know, our first round game was against the Tark, uh, Jerry Tark. Was it really? Fresno State, State, yeah. yeah. It was an 8-9 game. We were the eighth seed. So we beat Fresno State. They had a great team. Played Arizona in the the next round, and they were the one seed. And they had Gilbert Arenas and Richard Jefferson and, you know, a bunch of pros. And uh, we surprised them. uh, How did you surprise them? What did you do? Well, you know, they were young. We were we were a veteran team, juniors and seniors. They were all freshmen. Um, and, you know, it makes a big difference. You see that a lot in the tournament where really young, talented teams that are freshmen sometimes struggle against, you know, even mid-majors can upset um, 
you know, big major conference yep. teams that, that are, that are young. And it's kind of what makes the tournament so special. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's not just about talent. There is a lot of uh, experience factor that goes into it, having been there before, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's how we were able to beat Arizona. And then from there, we, we played LSU in the Sweet 16. Or I'm sorry, yeah, Sweet 16. Yeah. And uh, and beat them. They had a great team. They had a guy named Stromile Swift played in the NBA um, and another big kid that was very good. Nobody expected us to win that game. And then we ended up playing Purdue in the Elite Eight. And that was... I believe the third time we had played them that year and it's just tough, you know, playing a team twice in conference. And, uh, we may have even played them in the big 10 tournament that year. And so you see them so many times and we know each other, you know, everything they're going to do. And it just comes down to, you know, one or two plays and, and grinding out a, a W. So we were able to uh, beat the Boilermakers to, to go to the final four and guess what? Play Michigan state, a team we had already Michigan played three state, times. Mateen Cleaves, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mateen Cleese and, and uh, Morris Peterson yeah. and Charlie Bell. And, you know, they were one of the great teams in that era. Um, they were just better than everybody. They could beat us at our game. And then they played Florida in the finals and, and uh, ran up and down and scored a bunch of points and beat them at their game. What, what was it like to take the, uh, you know, that's the ultimate, right? The final four. What was it like when you walked out on that stage? Well, you know, we were in the RCA Dome, which doesn't exist anymore. It's yeah. now the Lucas Oil. It's in uh, Indianapolis. So we were in Indianapolis. It was kind of like being in the Metrodome. It's just so big. And, you know, there's 50-some thousand people there. You never dreamt of playing in front of that many people. And then you start, you know, you try not to think about it, but you start thinking about how many people are watching on TV. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. So yeah, A lot, yeah. So there's... You know, as as you get through it, you're kind of trained how to block all that out and just do your job. And, you know, if you focus on that, um, the wins will take care of themselves. And that's what you do. You, you don't really have a choice. You go out there and you just focus on what you do every single day in practice and uh, try to block out the noise. But uh, it's a really special environment. Um, if, 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 you know, anybody out there, if you haven't been to a Final Four game or even an NCAA tournament game, I really recommend it because the, the energy and the atmosphere is um, second to, to none. Well, you shot the ball incredibly well in that uh, to get to the, the Final Four. Obviously, if you're the uh, region MVP, that speaks for itself. How, how did you get to a point? Uh, I always find this fascinating with shooters. How did you get to a point uh, when I'm watching these games, you go, Man, you you, know, you can't think too much about if you're going to be a good shooter, but boy, how can you not think about it every time you get an opportunity? And you don't want to rush it. You want to have that peace about yourself and that confidence. Uh, you, you want to be aggressive about taking advantage of the opportunity when it comes without looking like a ball hog. How did you get to that place where you got in the zone? Well, it's, it all starts many, many years before you, you actually get into the situation. Yeah, in a driveway, right, where you repetition, yeah, right? right? It's just all about preparation. It's all about, you know, growing up, I was kind of a driveway rat. You know, I didn't have access to a gym, but I was out of my driveway all the time, uh, probably driving my neighbors crazy. But, you know, you, it starts there, getting up tons and tons of shots. And, you know, over the course of, of uh, many years of doing that, you kind of learn the mental side of shooting. And I think for me, going into that tournament, realizing I was probably done with basketball. I wasn't going to play in the NBA. Um, I was going to be done with basketball and just not, not having any regrets, letting it go, you know, um, shooting the ball, not, not worrying about whether or not it goes in. And, um, you know, you work all year on what's a good shot, what's not a good shot. So, you know, that's, that's not really an issue for, for most shooters. In fact, most, most coaches with a shot clock, 
if you're open and you're a shooter, you better shoot it. Otherwise, you're hurting the team. So with that mentality, um, when you're open, you let it fly, and you, you can't care about the result. You just got to um, kind of get in rhythm. And, and that's what I was able to do. I was able to get in rhythm. Um, I found my rhythm uh, kind of towards the end of that year, and it carried forward. Once I had a little success, it snowballed. And next thing you know, um, <laughs> I got I got named the Midwest uh, or the West Region MVP. Mm, and, man. Uh, yeah, it was certainly well, not. But all because but, you believed in yourself, though, and you took a shot on yourself, too. I mean, that that's pretty good advice for kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, we always say bet on yourself. Um, you know, nobody else is going to do it for you. And, you know, however, I mean, my my uh, uh, the way that I ended up at Wisconsin was, was certainly a different route than most people take. Um, but it was something that was always my dream, and I knew the – uh, possibility that it, that it might not work out, yep. but I did bet on myself. And, you know, I played for a coach who was willing to give guys like me a chance. And, and that's a big deal too. having kind of thinking through it before you just decide to go do it. You really got to think through the process, um, what you're getting yourself into. And for me, it was a, a great situation. And I was very fortunate um, to get in that situation. They needed shooters at the time when I came over and, uh, and uh, and it worked out. It um, you know, but it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of late nights at the Cole Center, getting shots up. And you know, you have bad games in there, and it's learning yeah. from those games, learning from your failures, and then um, you know, making adjustments and and doing something about it, and trying to change and and get better. Now, John, the, the current version of the Badgers is pretty good this year in the Big Ten. Tonight they play Colgate. They should win, etc. But this was a team that, well, experienced. They, they had some off, uh, you know, last year some problems with the coach and the players and communication. And I think people thought this could be a downward slide for the Badgers. Instead, they went the other direction. Oh, explain this team. Well, you know, they're not that different than, than the team that, that I played on in, in some ways with low expectations. Uh, we were actually a better team my junior year and my senior year. Um, you know, we had lost some of our uh, highest scores and better players the year before. So expectations fell. And what that kind of does is it, it, rela- it, it gets you to relax a little bit. Um, you know, with, with lower expectations, you can kind of just go play. And, you know, the way that they, the Badgers play, there's a system there and the system is kind of greater than, you know, uh, each individual part. And they plug in guys who are willing to play a specific role and they play it really, really well. They go do their job. Um, and that's what this team is, you know, sometimes and, and not being critical of last year's team, but sometimes when you have players that have been there for so long, uh, it can get a little old and stale and having, you know, some of those guys move on and new parts implemented into their system. It probably gave them a little renewed energy and some guys that maybe were held back a little bit. I mean, Johnny Davis is a good example of that. Um, last year he, he played, but he wasn't a superstar. And now he's, he's you know, inserted into the starting lineup this year. And I mean, everybody can see how much he's developed. Yeah, could be a lottery pick. Yeah. 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 How about Brad Davison, who you who you know obviously we know from Maple Grove. You've seen him long before he got to, the, to Wisconsin. But uh, w- what is he? Why is he difficult to defend? Why, why is he a heart and soul guy? Well, he's 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 such a leader. Uh, I've known Brad for a long time. Great kid, just a leader. Loves the game. Uh, such a smart player. He's willing to score zero points. Take you know five charges. Um, and guard, you know, uh, a seven-foot center if that's what it takes to win. He's 
he's so competitive and um, he's, he's a winner. That's really what he is. He's won everywhere he's gone. And so, you know, with a leader like that and then some of the talent that's kind of around him now, um, you know, uh, that's really helped them in, in, in terms of getting to where they're at right now. I mean, a three seed in the NCAA tournament, um, winning the Big Ten, it's just unbelievable. Uh, but it's the right chemistry, I think, and chemistry is so big in sports and, and with, with five guys on the floor in basketball, um, you absolutely need to have good chemistry and know where each other are and, and, you know, really like each other and trust each other. And I think this Badger team does that as good as any. The last, uh, Tyler Wall, another kid from Lakeville that, uh, he, he's really found himself this year, hasn't he? He has. And Tyler's, you know, he's another one of those guys. He's a little bit like, you know, a Swiss army knife where he does some of everything. He can score. He defends really well. He rebounds. Sometimes he has to guard smaller. Sometimes he has to guard bigger. Great team player. Doesn't care if he scores the most points. Um, you know, just a great guy to have. It's amazing how many Minnesota kids have, have gone to, you know, Wisconsin in that, in that program and how much success there's been. And uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm excited for the Minnesota Gophers because it seems like, you know, Ben's looking at Minnesota kids uh, as much as anybody now and really wants to try to get the best the best players from here. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of successful players that have come out of here in the last 15, 20, 25 years. So. <laughs> and a lot of them were red. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Hey. You know, I'm a Badger fan, but I, I, I grew up a Gopher fan, so sure. I, I still cheer for the Gophers, you know, when they're not playing the Badgers. Yeah, I, I well, Point well taken. Hey, hey, John, appreciate it very much. Look forward to seeing you at the tournament next week, but congratulations congratulations again. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. You bet. John Bryant. Uh, he is the assistant coach for James Square there at Park Center after being head coach at Armstrong, and they're heading to the state tournament. They'll be the number one seed in Class 4A, rest assured. Take a break. Come back. Sports to the max. All righty. Chattanooga leading Illinois 40-33. to um, in the second half, still early in the second half, but in the second half, they've they've grabbed a big lead on them. Duke is going to do in uh, Cal State Fullerton. No big uh, surprise there. They're up by eleven in the second half. Marcus Carr, remember him from the Gophers? He had a shot from mid court today for the University of Texas. Kind of fun to watch, and uh, yeah. So so we'll we'll bring you up to speed shortly on all the games that are being played in uh, the NCAA and beyond. Uh, Providence Academy leading Albany 52-48 with a minute left in the girls' basketball tournament. We've got them all covered right here on News Talk 830 WCCO. When we come back, everybody's playing tomorrow, including the Minnesota United. Manny Lagos joins us from there. This season, this early season, they finally get a nice day to play after that opener. We'll ask him about that and much more straight ahead. Welcome back. All kinds of things going on tomorrow night. Right, right here on CCO, we got the, the world champion Milwaukee Bucks and the Timberwolves at 4 o'clock. Go for hockey playing Michigan, wild playing, uh, Chicago NCAA basketball tournament, um, is, uh, is obviously everywhere. Uh, girls basketball tournament and everything else. Uh, joining us right now, Manny Lagos from the Minnesota United Loons. They play as well tomorrow. And, and Manny, as it, when I gave that forecast, you had to just go, thank you, based on that, that first game was a little bit slushy, huh? Yeah, the field got torn up. And, um, you know, credit the grounds, I think they worked very hard. I think <laughs> the field's going to be much better condition tomorrow night. But, 
It was a tough one. You know, we had our first rain delay in six years in MLS, which is amazing. Um, And it didn't happen in the middle of summer. It happened in the first week of March. So um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. I mean, to me, it really is our first kind of like home game, 60 degrees. People are starting to go outside this week. I got to give you some credit for uh, playing that that song to to play us in because I really hope we get the win tomorrow night. (laughs) The Wonderwall. Yeah. Singing it, yeah. yeah. Manny Lagos, our guest, the John Schuster Caldwell mm-hmm. Banker Hotline tomorrow. That the Loons will play again. Uh, this season's been kind of strange that way, but you know it's going to be that way when you play in in, in all four seasons. Do you prepare a lot differently uh, in uh, February and March than you do in July? Yeah, really. The guys do. You know, they're they're really um, indoors. You know, in Minnesota, we we train almost all in a big bubble up at the National Sports Center. Um, so we're on turf, so it's different than grass. You know, last week we had to go to New York, but we were playing for the last couple of weeks on turf. Uh, Philly was our opener, was on grass, and obviously now I land field with the, with the heated weather. So this time of year, you, you know, you, you have to be inside, obviously. You have to be on the turf. But at some point here, you know, sometimes we'll go outside now and be on the turf at our facility as well. We have an outdoor turf field as well. So in the end, you got to do the best you can this time of the year. You know, and, and again, you know, I'd love to say that we have all northern Minnesotans on our roster, but we have a lot of South Americans. We've got a lot of uh, guys from all over the world who are getting used to these, uh, these, the climate here. And ultimately, um, I think they love it in the end. I, I think they love the fans. They love the fans go out in any weather and cheer them on. So I think they really embrace, uh, you know, kind of the season starting so early. Well, what would they rather play on? I mean, is 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 it uh, you know? There's so many different versions of artificial turf right now. They're almost like natural grass. Does, does everybody prefer natural grass or not necessarily? I, I mean, Mike, I, I you know, if I talk to our Vikings players, I talk to us Twins. We want grass. They love yeah. grass. Um, ultimately, this is the time of year where they get a little crabby because they've been inside now for three or four weeks. Preseason, we're usually way in Florida or Arizona uh, on grass, and so ultimately, this month of training on turf. Pretty good for the first couple of weeks. Now we're in the third week. They're like, oh, when can we get outside on grass? So um, I think they're excited for tomorrow night, you know, in a weird way because we had to be on turf all week. I think they're excited to get on the grass in front of the fans and I think almost all high-level sports guys. But you're right. I think at the youth level, ironically, I think the kids are getting used to because there's not a lot of great grass fields this time of year uh, in the Twin Cities. I think the kids actually like the turf because it's kind of a consistent surface for them. Sure, for sure. Uh, this team, this year, obviously, you know, one thing that I've learned since the MLS has become a part of the landscape is, you know, hold off judgment for a while because it is a long season. But what do you see as you grade them out right right now so far? There have been some good things. Yeah, I mean, we've had two road games. Like, uh, Philly's one of the top teams in the league. We went there. We tied 1-1. I thought we should have won. We played great, really dominant. They've, they've been dominant at home for the last three years in the league, and I think they even felt like they got lucky out to get a, a tie. And then last weekend in New York, you know, New York had two wins on the road. They had their home opener, came at us. I just thought we responded so well after the first 20 minutes. They really had us a little bit, and then we really came on. We had a hot goalie, uh, scored a good goal early in the second half, and then just really had a solid performance after that. So, you know, on on the road now, we've had a tie and a win, and we had a tough tie against one of the better teams, League Nashville at home in that crazy weather, which I think is, you kind of maybe just say that, you know what, that was just a crazy night, and it was nice to get a point. Um so we're, we're off and running it, you know, with, with one win and two ties. And, and I think we feel really good about where we are in the team. And we got two big home games now. We got one now, and then we have a little bit of a break for the next weekend, and then we play Seattle. So it's a great opportunity for us to start the season, you know, almost exactly the opposite of last year. We were 0-4. Um, I, I think hopefully we get the two wins here, and we'll, we'll be uh, 3-0-1.
Manny Lagos is our guest. Uh, Adrian Heath, you've worked with him for a long time now. How, how does you know? How are you two and, and, and the staff different now that you understand the league, the stadium, everything that goes with it? Uh, obviously, that I, I can't keep up with you. You got to be a do- have a doctorate to keep up with the the transactions that take place and lending a player and all those things. You're very familiar with it, but but how has that come together over the years, and how is it different now than when you guys first engaged in this whole project? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always going to be tension, and, and obviously the, the goal is to win trophies and to, to win championships. We got close a couple times, and we've made the playoffs for three straight years, so some really good consistency of success. I, I think the next step is for us to continue to push and not only make the playoffs, but, but, but win trophies for the club. And ultimately, I think Adrian came on when we were building an MLS. We were building a new stadium. Our resources were kind of stretched across, and, and we our roster, we had a good plan of the three-year plan of building on a roster, but... For a head coach who wants success right away in players, I, I think it took him a little while to really get and embrace the project in Minnesota. But, man, he's been here five years. He's done a great job. You know, it, I, I just think he's full in on what we do, how we do it. I know he, he loves it here. He's brought his family over. Um, they all live here, and they, they really stay here most of the year now. Um, so I, I think we're in a good space in terms of, you know, having a great head coach who's had success and wants more. Um, and really kind of, like I said, you know, really knows how much it means to the club to, to win games and, and, you know, make our fans uh, excited about the product. Yeah. Now, are you guys constantly talking about, you know, hey, uh, I'm going over to scout this, scout that, what are the needs? How, how does that, how, what's the communication flow like in an uh, MLS team or Minnesota United specifically? Yeah, I think it's amazing. You know, it's like any other major sports team where we've got a lot of channels that we work now and I, I get to oversee a lot of them. You know, we have a huge medical department, a huge sports science department, a huge sky and recruitment department and technical staff. So Adrian's right in the thick of the technical staff. Obviously he's the head coach and he really drives a lot of making sure we're, we're finalizing the players that he thinks will be successful in the field. We have a technical director, Mark Watson, a director of player personal, Amos McGee. And within that group, we really try to strategize and create a scouting plan, not only for this year, but for the next three years. And in the global game, Mike, they're called transfer windows. They happen twice a year. And it's a time of the year where things open up, where you can go out into the global market, trade, buy players, sell players. Um, so we try to really work on our roster build, you know, from not just this transfer window coming this summer, but again, in the winter, the following summer, and even the following winter, because ultimately it's a big market in the world right there. And you have to make sure you're finding the players that or where you think the roster needs are going to be not only this year, but in the coming years as well. Manny, people might not know this about you because your name's so synonymous with soccer, but you were a pretty good basketball player back in the day, too. You guys had some pretty good teams at SBA, didn't you? We did. We did. I loved it. It was another great sport. You know, um, uh, just a, a fun time in my life, fun time playing. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Timberwolves this year. You know, yeah. it's, I'm a diehard fan every year, but it's so fun, you know, from to see them playing so well. And I recruit, I just root for them so much. And then ultimately, there is a, so many things that resonates with all sports. And certainly, anybody who's watching them here, it reminds me of, of the good years we've had, where you got to be a team, you got to have all your players play well, you got to have your second group play well. And uh, I think the Timberwolves have, have shown, you know, a really different style of basketball that we've seen the last couple of years. No doubt about it. Well, Manny, good luck tomorrow night. We'll talk again soon, but always fun to visit with you. Likewise, sir. Let's enjoy this weather tomorrow, and let's <laughs> enjoy all this great sports day, and let's have some wins for Minnesota. You got it. Manny Lagos from Minnesota United playing tomorrow at Allianz Stadium, and everybody's playing tomorrow. We'll talk more about that coming up. NCAA Basketball Tournament Day 2. Uh, Chris Tubbs is standing by with the scoreboard, which we can... Uh, um, 
comment on as we go go through it. But I, I, guess, I guess the one that that stands out right now is is it's not an upset yet. Um, it's just got a chance to be Chattanooga. It, the lead's been cut into it. They lead Illinois forty eight forty six second half. Uh, about five minutes left. Yeah, the Illini have really they've been playing behind for a pretty good portion of the game, from yeah. my understanding here, Maxie. Let's go ahead and get into uh, some of them that had taken place earlier on today. Okay. In the uh, South region, it was second-seeded Villanova over Delaware, 80-60. to 60. Uh, Auburn over Jacksonville State, that's a 2 over a 15 in the Midwest. i got to be honest, it, it, no disrespect to Jacksonville State, but they looked really panicked at times. Like, Auburn would put a little bit of pressure on them, and, and they just they had absolutely no answers. Yeah. Um, here's one third seated Purdue over 14 seated Yale, 78 56. Yep. Good showing for the Boilermakers. Yeah, That's pretty, the, pretty work. Did. I watched some of that game. Pretty workmanlike about what you'd expect, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, third seated Texas Tech over 14 Montana State, 97 62. Ooh. Yeah, no problem in That's the That's an ouch if you're a Grizzly or a Bearcat, Bobcat, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're the, the, the Bobcats, Montana State. Bobcats. Bobcats. Yeah. But, well, who's the Grizzlies? University uh, of Montana? Montana. Yep. The yeah. Montana Grizz. Yep. Yeah. G R I Z Z. Yeah. yeah, just like spelling Mizzou, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, which yeah. I never understood. No. But that's another thing. Uh, we got a 10 over 7 in the Midwest. It was 10 seated Miami, 68-66 over USC. So Yeah, USC was chic for a long time this year yeah. during the season where you go, oh, well, it's not UCLA, it's USC's town now for a bit. But that, that, that uh, wavered a little bit at the end of the year. Yeah, it did. Uh, here's maybe a little bit of a, an upset. Virginia Tech was coming off a very convincing ACC tournament win. Uh, they got beat by six seeded Texas. I know not a not a lot of faith in the Longhorns coming in, but uh, they defeated Virginia Tech. That's a six over an 11-81-73. That was in the East region. Yeah, Marcus Carr, as I mentioned, the former Gopher, had a midcourt shot in that game to close out the half, and and he's a, he's a focal point for the Longhorns. You forget these kids. They lost the, the Robbins kid, of course, and, uh, yep. uh, and, and Carr, and uh, gosh, gosh, I'm not sure where he went, uh, but um, uh, you know, they, they lost everybody last year. And then, and I'm watching Duke tonight with Theo John, the, uh, talented kid from Champlain Park who I had on the airways this, uh, this summertime. He trained here and he was at Marquette and he did one of those grad transfers to be a part of Mike Krzyzewski's final year. And, and, and Duke, I, I don't know if it's, is it a final yet? Uh, if not, they're close to, and then they're going to close this one out, right? Yeah. Duke, you know, um, Cal State Fullerton, they pulled within 13, but right now it's 65 to 50. Duke over Cal State Fullerton. Uh, that game about, uh, five and a half minutes left. Uh, a couple more finals here. Sister Jean this year was one and done. Yeah. Ohio State got a couple of their big back, their bigs back, Maxie. And, and I think that was really the difference. Loyola's best player, ice cold from the floor. And, uh, they were, uh, Loyola was never really in that game. They, they were down by five at halftime, but, uh, Ohio State rolled 54 41. 54, that's kind of a low scoring game, but yeah, Ohio yeah. State, when they played the Gophers, they, the, those big guys played volleyball with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gophers did have size to, excuse me, <laughs> to, um, compete with them, and they, and they just, you know, lobbed the ball to each other all day, and then they were a nightmare matchup for the Gophers. Yeah, and if those guys, if those bigs are playing, then, I mean, Ohio yeah. State might have Completely a Completely different there. team, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the luck of the Irish, the Notre Dame. Yeah, the Dame. roll, huh? I know. Call them butter because they're on a roll. The Irish over Alabama, 78-64. On Obama was a little bit of a, a, a cheeky pick coming into the, uh, into the bracket as well, but Notre Dame. Uh, they're, uh, they're having their way with it. Here's a, you mentioned Chattanooga and Illinois right now. The Mox with a 51-46 lead over the Illini. 
about four and a half minutes left to go in the second half there. Mentioned Duke up by 15 on Cal State Fullerton. Um, Arizona getting a little bit of a scare from Wright State. Wright State hanging around a little bit. Right now, the top-seeded Wildcats 57-44 over Wright State. Just under 13 minutes left to go in that one. And at the half, Iowa State up on LSU 24 to 19. At the at, half? At, at the half, yeah. Come on, it's only 24 to 19? 24 to 19. Gabe Kalsher, of course, transferred from the Gophers. He's on that team. Yep, he's got four points in that game. He's four. got four right now, huh? He's got four, yep. He's uh, one for four from the field. It's a three point shot, and he's one for two from the free throw line. Okay. Got yeah, to, I, I, I got to tell you, he, he's a streak shooter, and uh, some say he's not. You, you, you missed the point if you talk about Gabe Kalsher being a shooter because he's more of a defender than a shooter, but. I saw him in a section final game a few years ago against um, um, uh, uh, who uh, De La Salle, and and uh, he made three or four three pointers in the final few minutes. They got to tied and they won it in overtime on a, a really strange foul call by uh, on Orno, and it was just a terrific game, just a packed house. But Kelsher that night, I said well, he's the best shooter in the state, and he ne- you know he shot well one game against Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, his freshman year there, and he had a couple games where he shot the ball well, but but his shot looked so good, and he just didn't make any last year. It was the strangest thing. Yeah, and that kind of seemed to be the, the the knock on him, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, but it looked like I mean, it looked like his feet were underneath him. It looked like technically he had a good shot, and I, he just couldn't. He, the ball wouldn't go in. Yeah, was it just one of those? He just needed a. a change I'm sure of it was probably something mechanical. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, but but yeah, why he opted out? Unless unless he saw. You know, a short window to get to the NCAA tournament, you know, uh, and said, you know what, I, I, it's not going to happen here in transition. Let me take my shot somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's and that's the thing, too. And you, you feel kind of bad for a guy that if it's something mechanical and the coaches see, I mean, coaches should be able to fix that. Right. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it's just confidence. I don't know. You know, it mm-hmm. just it, it just never got. I just think he's a terrific player, but you know mm-hmm. they had that big recruiting class with Hino Turo and uh, uh, the kid from Orno, and, and none of the three ended up playing four years. Of course, Oturo left for the pros early, but yeah. it wasn't quite what they thought it was going to be. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it sounds like you know when you talk to John Bryan, I mean, he, he's got confidence in Ben. Like there are a lot of people here who feel like this Gopher program, they're in the right hands with, with Ben Johnson. Yeah, they're, 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 but they're going to have to look at this. Though. They're, they're going to have to have a fine point guard for next year. Because, uh, you know, they were kind of gifted one this year with Peyton Willis. Uh, and they're going to have to go get the transfer portal, get some players. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting to see that Dawson Garcia quit the North Carolina program. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. He was a great player. And, and also sitting out there, uh, you've got, um, uh, Kerwin and he is an outstanding shooter. Kerwin Walton. Uh, from Hopkins is playing in North Carolina that really hasn't gotten a lot of time there. And, and, and I don't know if they're in the portal or not, but those would be two that you would, you would at least look at and give consideration to. When do you feel like we're going to start seeing some of the guys that Ben recruits? Do, do you feel like he's going to feel forced well, to play a lot of freshmen right away? Yeah, he's going to have to play some freshmen next year. We were talking about Carrington earlier, a good player. The kid mm-hmm. uh, Farrell from uh, Park Cottage Grove is a good rebounder. The kid from Oski went to prep school. I, I haven't seen him play much, so I, I don't know much about him. But um, he'll he'll play those freshmen next year. The, the problem just is that if the Big Ten wants to be, they can now be a junior-senior league every year because yeah. the mid-majors are going to transfer up, you know? Sure. So, so I, I just don't know that you can you can get away unless that you got superstar freshmen playing freshmen even though they're going to need to play next year uh, I, I just think in this league it's so unforgiving that it'll be difficult 
have the days of red shirting like you come in you red shirt that's just instantly yeah, yeah. Been, is that over no it's not it's not over because the uh uh with the the covid extra year everybody got log jam so it wouldn't be a bad idea right now to come in and red shirt you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. let these guys clear out these 22 and 23 24 year old guys yeah. let, let them get out of the program while you just sit and wait now now obviously that's also that's not just your decision that's based on what the team needs in, in roster depth but yeah i i would make that a consideration if i was a player right now but the other thing is these players don't know because of the portal you know they they can feel like they're right in line to be the starter. You have next no year. idea Oops, what's, guess what's coming what? down. Yeah, the, the, the kid from uh, Florida A and I was really good. Decided he's going to come up here. You know. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. It's like it's free agency for college athletics now. It is, and so you really don't know if you're a player either. Although you also have that option too, that you can put yourself in the portal and. Uh, uh, see if you can move somewhere and get something going. Jerry Klein can talk more about that. He's the head coach of Creighton Durham Hall. His star point guard is going to Michigan State to play next year. They're in the NCAA tournament. And last night they pulled out a thriller, a one-point win to go to state. We'll visit with him about that and much more straight ahead on Sports to the Max. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.